That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? My coffee's on the floor, so <laughs> it gets me going if, even if uh, even if I need a I'm, I don't have any coffee. I got a little bit of decaf latte. What's the purpose of decaf? The taste. I I mean, I'll give you that. (laughs) It's like a it's like a cigar, right? Yeah. Like you don't need you don't smoke it. You got to puff it. It's a puffing thing, right? I've never even smoked. That's a great analogy. I'm not even. I don't even do cigars or anything like that. But but anyway, hey guys. Welcome back. We got a great episode. Uh, we talk about cigars and, and decaf coffee. And decaf coffee, and people probably people are listening to me. And a lot of people ask that that question is like, what's the point, right? And so it's, it just it just shows you that we we all define things in a different way, and it kind of leads us directly into what we're going to talk about. Yeah, which is the definition of leadership and defining it. Yes. And you know, Morgan, whenever I'm working with clients or even just talking to people. And myself sometimes, right? Anytime there's a communication breakdown, the first question I ask somebody is, you know, if somebody says, um, we're not being productive, right? If one of the clients says to me, well, my team's not being productive. And I ask them, what's your definition of productivity? It puts people on their heels most of the time. Unless you've been working with me for a while, then you, then you know I'm going to ask you that question, right? But when you define something, it gives you the opportunity to sit down and look at it and, and pick it apart and say, here's my definition, but here's where the breakdown comes. Because if I define productivity in this way, but my team doesn't define it the same way, then out of the gate, we're talking about different subjects. Two languages, two speak two different languages. It, it's, um, that's, oh man, that's, that is, that is, so crazy that that you say it like that because we we don't understand how different we are right we 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 expect people to view the world and life and leadership like how we view it and that's just not the case no and you know it just popped into my head the the love language thing right ah it's different oh we got to make what called leadership language we sh- oh my gosh there we go, man. I guarantee you somebody already like did that because that hey. sounds too good to be true. Patent that, right? <laughs> but it's it's true, right? So my love language is touch. Whenever I see my wife or my daughter, I'm anybody who knows me knows I'm a hugger. I got it, you know. I hug people like I might never see them again. That's a good way to be though, because you might right. not. Never you see might them not. Again. You know, I always hug somebody like it might be the last time. But if somebody's love language is not touch, then that could be awkward. And so right out of the gate, we're, we're talking. i met people that don't like to be hugged. Me too. Me too. <laughs> like, no, nah, you invited my space. That's right. Yeah. You know, and other people, they, they have a different love language, but that's what popped into my head. But the, the whole point that I'm trying to get across is that no matter what, you have to be on the same definition or at least understand each other's definition before you can communicate effectively. Yeah. But like, it's hard to understand. I always, you know, I, this is a big piece for me. Like, if you don't understand yourself, right? If you don't understand, um, you're trying to de- to define something. And I, I said it's like the coaches that I I train, or you know, anyone that in a leadership position that that has some type of authority over people. Um, if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. A hundred percent. And I just had. <laughs> what if one of your athletes said to you, Morgan, I want to win. 
I would ask her, what does winning look like? That's right. Because <laughs> winning to, you know, to me is definitely not winning the race. It's not breaking that tape. It's finishing the race under a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and feeling good through the whole thing or whatever it happens to be. But just that simple word of, hey, I want to win. If you're not talking the same language, you're going to coach or train them in a different way than they need to be trained because you might be trying to get them through the tape first when that's not what they want at all. We define it, it is it's almost it's it's not almost but it's, you know how we use words and we use them in a way that that, that is not the definition of them uh, or we we misuse them mm -hmm. right now, there might be in a negative sense but like the biggest one that stands out to me right uh, is ignorant yeah right people get so offended when you call them ignorant but it's just you don't know mm -hmm. that's it i don't know they call you stupid but that's how you take it it's you, you have this negative feeling when so you he's ignorant to the fact well that means he just didn't know right and so we have this what society has told us is like this is what it looks like hence leadership how do we define leadership well i'm in charge of them yeah, keep going. <laughs> right. Like, what else does that look like? And uh, over over time, like people, you you get stuck in it. And if you got a hundred people doing, saying like this leadership is me telling you what to do and me being in charge, then do you really understand what leadership is, or are you defining something else? Right. And it, most of the time, if not all the time, if they saying me, I'm in charge. They're defining supervision, management. <laughs> Yeah, I always, I always think to myself, if somebody's reminding you they're in charge, they're not in charge. They're, well, I should say they're not leading, right? Yep. Uh, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm a man. Well, if you got to tell me, you're not. That's right. <laughs> you know, your actions, you know, and, I, and while we, when we talk about actions, how I define leadership um, and what I've read and, and how I take it is, is leadership is being influential. That's my definition on how I look at leadership. I don't have to tell you what to do. I don't have to be in charge of you to do to influence you to make decisions that I want. I think, I, 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 how do I drive the bus without being in the driver's seat, mm -hmm. right? That's how I I look at leadership, right? That That's in, not a manager, not a supervisor. It's like my actions need to portray what I want to see you do and if, if 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 I expect you to emulate them, that means I need to be picture perfect in a sense, right? Uh, and I think that's what most people are missing. I would agree with that. I think that authenticity piece is in there. And to me, leadership is, is all about people. It's all about understanding what motivates people, influencing people, letting people know that you care about them, and then helping them achieve either what they need to achieve personally or what the organization needs to achieve as a whole. But when you care about everybody individually and you're helping them become the best version of themselves, it's just like any team. You know, if every player is playing the very best that they can, they're not going to win the game if they're not playing together. So leadership is being able to understand everyone's um, best attributes their skills, the things that make them great, and then bringing that together so the team can win. Building teams, yes. Uh, I know, I think that's like, you always tell me that that's like one of your things you love the most about, you know, what you, especially do what you did in the military is that you, 
and one of the skills that you were one of the best at into your you know is building teams, seeing people's strengths and placing them with that other the other Tetris pieces like this is how we build this this yeah, and I don't know. I feel like I've always been like that. Okay. I can read people, I can see people because i I listen very deeply, and I hear everything that people say, even things that they're not saying, kind of that underlying subtext. And when I do that, I might even see things that they don't understand or haven't acknowledged on their own. I love to connect people. And so when I've got people in an organization, because I've listened to everyone, or even if they're not in my organization or on that team, and somebody says, I need this, the first thing that pops into my head is, who do I know, right, that I can match with them? And we were talking about tribal leadership, one of my favorite books, you know, earlier. And in, in an important part of that book to me, they talk about dyads versus triads. Okay. So if you tell me I need a new hat and I know that Josh sells, makes, and designs hats, there's two options for me, right? One is that I can say, I'll get you a hat, Morgan. And then I go to Josh, I get the hat, I give it to you so I look like the good guy. Or I say, you know what? I know this guy who makes designs and sells hats. Let me connect you to And then I back out of it. And before I read that book, I used to, and I'm going to date myself here, I used to tell everybody, I'm Chuck Woolery. There, you know, the, the, there was a show back in the... Can you tell me who that is? Yeah, right? <laughs> there was a show in the 70s, I think it was the 70s or the 80s, called The Love Connection. I remember it. Yeah, and Chuck yeah. Woolery, you know, it was a dating show, probably one of the first dating shows, and he would always say, I'm going to be back in two and two, right, to see if the love connection was made. So I used to joke that I just make the love connection, then I back out of it. And... The joke was that it's because I'm too lazy to get involved, but the reality is I don't need to be involved. And to me, that's a form of leadership. If you are confident enough in yourself that you can say, wow, you need this, I know this person, I can connect you to and let you make magic happen, but you know I'm here if you need any resources or whatever, that's where that's the, the foundation of all of it really is, is that kind of self-awareness and being able to just let people be amazing at what they do and connecting the right people to build the right team. Okay, guys, gals, this is the point of the podcast where my mind was just like blown in the forces. You know, I, I'm still, we all still learning, but we have conversations and, you know, that's the good thing about having great people in, in your presence, right? And, uh, oh my God, like, <laughs> I don't even know how to express that. I don't know how to, you know, tell you guys, how, like, I, I, like, I'm, I'm energetic. I, it's like, oh, I feel so good about what he just said because, I always had a thing with that, right? Because you don't want to feel left out. You don't want to feel like they're gonna forget about you. FOMO. Or yeah, you don't they don't need yeah. you, right? And so, but like that level of confidence is not only do you feel it, but you they feel that you have that about them, right? And then then they build other relationships and they the you when you stop focusing on losing something, you gain something. That's right. Right? And that that gain is what true leaders live for, right? That that, that ability for somebody to, to run into the fire and pull the pull the kid out without with no thought, right? Because you've taught them this is what we do, this is how we do it, and you don't have to know that it's going to be done right because you know that you have built your team in a way that it's just going to happen, right? But so many times, oh, still my mind is still blown from that. When I learn something, it feels so damn good, man. It's like <laughs> it's like a, like a boost, like a, like a caffeine for some people. 
But it's like you 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 know that moment that you realize is like, damn, I've been doing that wrong all a long time. <laughs> I've done it right a couple of times, but like I always I'll be lying to say like when I introduce somebody like, hey, it's two things. One, I don't want to introduce somebody to somebody else that that I don't really believe in or trust. That's a that's a big one, right? Because you, you put your name to it, right? You put mm-hmm. your name to it, right? Two. As a leader, sometimes you think you need to know everything. You need to be involved in every aspect, right? And then I realized, like, if I did my job correctly and I was a true leader and I was influential, then I don't need to be involved. And that comes into, you know, and I, I had a vision of a, of a meeting, right? And when I'm talking to leaders and we're talking about meetings that they might have with their people, whether it's individual or in a team setting, I always ask them, what's the first question you or how do you open your meetings? And a lot of them open meetings with all the things they need them to do. And I invite them to uh, explore the idea that the first question they should ask is, what can I do for you? Here we go again. <laughs> we go do this over and over again. Oh, my God. Guess what? I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet today because obviously he is in a place of, of greatness. And holy crap. No one would do that. Like, and I'm a, I'm a big component of doing things that other people won't do, almost like challenging the status quo, mm-hmm. as I said that correctly, right? Uh, I want to do the thing that's taboo, right? right? And you're right. We go around the table, especially in most meetings. Yeah. We go around the table. It's like, all right, tell me what's going on. And then you say what you have to say, right? So basically, you're putting your needs first when, just like oh, Simon Sinek's uh, book, is like, uh, leaders eat last. You're not eating last. You're eating first. Holy mackerel. Oh, my goodness. We need, Everyone, we're changing. We're no longer um, letting you present things to us. We're going to come to you first. And leaders, you're going to ask. Go. This is this is call to action. Call, I'm going to say it out loud so you can because you can't you can't see it. Call to action. When you go to your next meeting, switch it up. You don't if it don't work, don't do it the next time. But you won't know until you try. And I guarantee you. You're gonna throw people off because I'm just in a, in, a, in a good way because now you, when you I think just listening to it, knowing when you say "Tell me how I can help you" is like it's not just about everything else. That's right. That's the huge part because we go to work every day and we think nobody gives a damn. Well, and if you think about leadership, the, especially the higher you get up, or you know, I, I like to think about, I would say, spreading my tentacles. And if you're in a flat organization, it's not up and down, right? It's it's in or out, which I right. guess is probably the same thing. But the 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 closer you are to the center of things, the less you know about what's going on at the operational end. Thanks. And so why would you try to tell them <laughs> what you need instead of asking them what's going on out there that you need my help? I'm just done. I don't even know what to say. This is... It was crazy because I was talking to, because uh, I'm finishing my last few months in the Marine Corps, right? I was talking to my boss, and we were dealing with some 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 uh, issue, and she was like, I, she said, this is what she thinks. I was like, mm, I, like I looked at it, and I, and I was like, I totally disagree for a minute. Not in a negative way, but I was like, yeah, I don't, maybe I got more information. And I, and I was like, let me just tell her, because she's that person you can, like, explain things to. And I said, this is how, this is my two cents, my opinion, Right. Because I'm a, uh, that's what I do. I give advice, and so she said, "I think you have, you can handle it. You you decide what needs to be done." And I was like, well, "Hold on, 
How'd that you, make you feel? Yeah. How'd that make like, you feel? I, I felt I felt empowered. Yep. Right? Not in the sense where I wanted to abuse it. I didn't, I wanted to make the right decision. I wanted to get more information. And so when it was when it, when it came to the point I had to explain why I did it, I knew why I did it. And it, it really felt good and it made me respect her so much more. I, I, man, if, if I tell you, this Noah she does stuff like that all the time. And I, I've had to, my last two bosses have been like this. They have empowered me, right? And even at this, even at my high level in the military, like you still get bosses that want to do it for you and tell you what to do. I'm like, well, I got here because I know what needs to be done, right? But you don't get everybody that wants to embrace that. Um, and she, she, she does that, and she did that, and I was, if I could stay in, I would. Yeah. For her, for him, right? There's two people. Like that's how, that's how much that meant to me. And I always say, <clears throat> my goal as an executive coach is to help leaders work on their self-awareness so they can build a culture that no one would imagine leaving, which is exactly what you just described. Like a Patagonia. Right. It's, or it's, Google. It's, yeah, you're <laughs> so happy there, and you love that leader so much, and you feel the trust and the respect with them that you couldn't imagine leaving. All day, every day. Like I would literally, I would go wherever she went, and because and, and as you leave, right, and it's, most people that are retiring, you notice you start to back away from things. You, you have to, right, because somebody needs to come in and step in and take over. And she makes me want to re-engage. She, I want to, like, I, I, t- I tell her all the time, because of how she leads me, because of the examples that she sets for me, and because of the trust that she puts in me, like, even when I'm gone, if you have a question, just ask. I'll make it happen. Because we all know when we lead the military, we still got at least a year or two left before we become absolutely, <laughs> like, we still know people until we don't, right? And so as long as I got the contacts, you got the contacts. And if I can help you, I will. Which goes back to my earlier point of connecting people. Yeah. And when you connect people, you're removing your ego from the equation. Yes. And when you remove your ego uh, from the equation, the subject, ego. great things can happen. Oh, oh. But that's, oh, we just hit ego, right? <laughs> yeah. we, did, we, this, we hit ego. And we talk about how, how we, remove, we remove ourselves from it, right? We talk about um, the relationship that we have and, and we talked about at the very beginning, we talked about supervision and management, right? And people say, I'm in charge of them. Ego, oh, ego is not how you define leadership, right? Ego will have you really deteriorating the word, the action, and the people that you actually say that you're leading, right? And Ego is a hard thing when it comes to being a leader, too. Like, and like, I don't think people define themselves as ego-driven leaders, but I think ego defines them in their actions. And ego is one of those things you can spot from a mile away. Every bad leader, every toxic leader I've ever experienced wears ego on on their on their shirt like a badge of honor. So when you say on their shirt, what does it look like? It's 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 all about them. And again, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. When you remove yourself, even just to something as simple as connecting two people who have something that one or the other needs, or that you think would be, that you just get, just should get to know each other, right? When you remove yourself from that, you're saying, I don't need to be involved in this. Ego is this heavy monster that sits on somebody's back. I, I, if I were a cartoonist, I would draw it, right? Is this big monster 
whispering in the person's ear, whispering in that leader's ear, you're not good enough. You don't belong here. You need to show them constantly that you're in charge. Sounds like similar to the imposter syndrome at the same time. So, Because they need the recognition. Ego is fed by recognition. Oh, God. When you, when you find out something that you've been doing wrong, it's so painful. Like that's, I've been doing something wrong, guys. Like Now we talk about me and, me and connecting people via email or the soft, I call it the soft handoff, right? Yeah. And, um, we know we just we we're just saying like how I had an issue with that. It, it, that's the issue. It was my ego. You know what I mean? It, In what way? I wanted to feel like I was important. Mm-hmm. Like like I want you to tell me I did it, right? And I don't and and people don't hear me talk like this at all the time. But I do. I even though I, I I don't portray most of these negative traits, that don't mean I'm not processing them. That's right. Right. I have to learn. Like I I I ain't. Uh, I had to get here too. Like. If you were to ask me to define self-awareness, it's exactly what you just said. You've got a Brita filter in your mind. Correct. Catching all the <laughs> ego-driven particles, filtering them out so that pure water can flow. Yes, and I need pure because I don't want to give nobody else dirty water. That's like right. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to drink it myself because I don't want to know that he gives dirty water out, right? Tainted water. And and I think that's the, the and so I'm okay with it. Like like I might it blows my mind and it makes it makes me sick in the stomach a little bit too because I don't want ego. I don't want nothing to do with. It. I, I'm good, right? And so you, you you can have that back because I want to grow, I want to learn, and I want you to tell me the things that don't feel good to me. You yeah, well, I mean? and so I got certified mm-hmm. in the tilt assessments, and there's four things, right? And and I'm a connector, right? One of the, it's, it's ironic almost. One of the things in the connector quadrant is that I love to connect people, but I also have to feel valued. So it's, that's it's ego. this weird dichotomy. Oh, no, it is. Ego. Yeah, no, it is. It. Yeah. I'm saying when you read the report, yeah, for it's sure. one of the things that, that turns connectors off is not feeling, feeling valued. So a part of that is applying that Brita filter and knowing that that's something that drives me and that's okay. It's a part of my personality. But then to catch it in that filter and not let it out, and to to learn how to process it. Right. It's like it's it's basically like the, uh, I guess I would use the analogy is like it's like uh, if you alcoholic like knowing that uh, one you know two drinks is too much. Mm-hmm. Right. You that, that you don't like you want to drink, but you need to know when to cut yourself off. Right. You want to feel value, but when is it too health? When is it unhealthy? And that's a, yeah. that part of that beautiful yeah. part of leadership is bringing, you know, and I'll say it, bringing people together, bringing a team together. And you want to be in there like, hey, I brought this together. I built this. I, I connected you two. And, and, you know, real leadership is, is dropping that ego and being able to, to bring everybody together because you see it. And I talk a lot about getting off the dance floor and getting into the balcony. That's real leadership. Because if you're on the dance floor, you're only seeing the person in front of you. But in the balcony, you can see everybody. I think I was. I don't. I don't know a lot about Vince Lombardi, but he always talked about team, mm-hmm. right, and loving each other and and playing not not playing for myself, but playing for you and playing for you. Like if 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 you're listening to this, what if you everybody played their own part for each other? Like how connected would you be? Like you're trying to for here, you're gonna be together. We're gonna do this together. You're gonna you're gonna talk about this together. You're gonna work on this together. What if you your your leadership was so potent? Where they came together naturally and they became a cohesive unit, right? And then they created this dynamic that exudes enthusiasm, happiness, positive culture, right? And 
high productivity. This is a big one, right? High productivity. And all you had to do is be someone different. So I was talking to an executive a while back, and this person told me about four or five things they ask people every time they're out walking around. And this 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 leader is a good leader. Okay. Right? And and they're out always talking to people and, and doing all this stuff. And I forget what they all were, but it was what did you learn today? What did you um, do today? There was all four or five things, and it was about learning and doing and being productive and all that. And I asked this person, I said, what if you asked, added one thing? And they said, okay, what, what would it be? And I said, how would you feel about adding who did you help today? And it was like light bulb, mind-blowing, because everything that that leader had been out talking and would ask their people was all about productivity and doing and doing. But when I pointed out that there was nothing in there about helping others, which is what builds the team. It would almost, it would, it would, it would almost, it would answer those other questions automatically because if they're out helping the other, they know you're going to ask that question, then they're going to engage differently. They're going to move differently That's right. in the workplace, right? And in their culture, they're going to foster something totally different than let me just put a check in the box. Like, how do I engage? Because you just, if you're helping other people, you just can't be present. Like you have to be engaged and present. That's right. You know, and, and from a personal level, the question always kind of asking yourself at the end of the day is who did I make smile? Did I walk by somebody who's looked like they had you a bad day? You in rare form today, damn it. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But if you, if you bring that same attitude into the workplace, yeah. who did I make smile? Who did I help today? You're going to start, you're going to start to see your team because if everybody has that attitude, then they're very quick to get out of that siloed mindset and start reaching out to other, you know, functional areas and helping people. My dad used to tell me, everybody's beautiful. No matter what they look like, where they're from, or who they are, everybody is beautiful. And I think that seeing the positive in everything that we can create and not only seeing that in other people, knowing the effect that we have on others by just our demeanors and our personalities and the way we move. Right. If we move in a negative space, if we move in an arrogant or ego-driven space, then what you think the company? There's corporations, right? There are corporations that uh, who, who went through this? Was it Wells Fargo? Uh, where they they created such a toxic culture that it, it became a, a legal problem, and they had to let people go, and they had to pay some money and all that type of stuff, like because they created a culture that was like more worried about did I put a check in a box? Did I? And then they started cutting corners to make things happen just to, to just to create their need because they had no ethical or moral values because nobody represented that within the corporation. And so the, so somebody had to come in and recreate that. And you, when you do that to an organization, you definitely got to get rid of everybody because some people are too used to it and, and they, and they stuck in that, in that area. And then you, you probably hire people that exude that. So you got to damn near flush out the whole organization before you create an environment that's viable enough for a good corporate and you know um, culture. So, yeah, toxic culture is is, I mean, it, the very root to me. When we we're talking about the definition of leadership. Culture is a direct responsibility of leadership. Yep. So if you have a bad culture, a toxic culture. That's a reflection of you as a leader. Because when you start, when you become a leader and the higher up the leadership chain you get, 
It's no longer about you, which is why you've got to get rid of that ego. And every single thing you do is about the team. And how you are viewed as a leader is based on how well your team is performing, regardless of the size of that team. If it's five people, if it's 20 people, if it's 50,000 people, if they're functioning and together and performing together and working well together, and you look at sports, you know, a sports team, and I'm not a sports guy, I know you're not a sports guy yeah. either, but you see it in the news, the sports team, the franchise is failing and not doing well. What's the first thing they do? They fire the coach. Fire the coach. <laughs> right? Because yeah, he creates the culture. And you've got a yeah. bunch of, and I think we were talking about uh, one of the basketball teams earlier on the drive about Miami this, Heat, I think. They yeah. had this team full of all these amazing players, but they weren't working together. They yeah. were trying to, their egos were driving them. Yeah. Or even if it's one person's ego, that, that one person's ego can tank the whole bunch. And that, to me, is a direct responsibility of the leader. And that's a part of my definition of leadership, is being able even to identify that one person, maybe, and say, to pull them in and have that honest conversation and say, listen, there's no place for that here. We function together as a team. Or we don't function. Or, 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 or you're you not, yeah, you're yeah, not you a part function, of this team. Yeah. The culture of this team is that we work together, that we respect each other, we know what each other do, you know, like all those things that, that and if you think of some whatever sports team where they're passing the ball and doing it, it's not about them. It's not me dribbling the ball down the court to score. It's me passing to the person who needs or who's in a better position at that moment than I am. Yeah. You, you, you ever had those points in your career where you feel like, the, like the universe was shaking you, like, mm -hmm. like it was grabbing you by each arm and at the shoulders and just shaking you. I had, I was, I, I was over, I was a director of a leadership school, right? And we had instructors. And so I had a chief instructor and we had about four instructors and a chief instructor. Then I was a director, right? Uh, we had a mm, close to about 50, uh, 50 people in the class. Um, and it, it went for two or three weeks at that time. And the instructors were there to teach. They had their own. They had their own groups of people that they were had to manage. And then from there, they would teach every day. They would teach the classes. They go to you know the curriculum, handle any personal issues. But what well, what I was doing is I was doing all that for for them, right? And I, and I was doing it in a way where I wasn't allowing them to actually be what they needed to be there. And so over so over, I think the first week. They told the chief instructor, he came to me and said, this is how they feel. You're you're literally taking everything from them, so why are they here, right? And so they stopped engaging, right? And he saw it. and he But he had the courage enough to come tell me, like, this is what your role is. And I was learning because it was my first time in that role. Right. But it took a lot for me to say, I'm sorry, you're right. But when I did, we had, like, the environment changed. Yeah, like like it was just like more energetic. Everybody was happy. Like I was spending a lot of time prior to that by myself. But when I started giving everybody their thing, they were we were all together. We started to like actually bond because you were giving them love before you weren't. No, I was taking it. You were loving yourself, loving myself, your ego. ego. Yep, <laughs> right. <laughs> but once you start Jinx. like giving yeah. that love out, yeah, then they're going to reciprocate that. And then pull you into their circle and their team they and did. their family. Yeah, they did, and they do. Even like this is a different group. This that was years ago, but like the more I'm influenced, the, the that's the thing about it. Like we're talking about a podcast, we're talking about leadership. We talking, but we're talking to leaders, right? And productivity. When 
you start to give, you start to get so much more, so much more. And if you want more out of your company, um, my mentor, Johnny, John D. Bernardo, told me, this is when I first started coaching, he said, the problem is you're worried about the money, right? For, start to focus on the people, and the money would work itself out. The moment I did that, the moment I show people this is what you do, everything changes immediately because what we forget is that, yeah, this is a company. These are companies. But who is taking care of this company? Who is managing it? Who is running it? And, right, you can say this is a business, but what the truth is is that these are people. People have emotions. People have feelings. And people have needs. And if you don't fulfill them, they can't be at their best self for the productivity you need to make that quota. And in a place that they're spending more time than they do at home. Mm. Mm -hmm. Building an environment where people mm -hmm. are happy at work means more than most people realize because of the amount of time that's spent at work. If you have a miserable, toxic culture and environment, you are basically creating miserable, toxic people to go back out in the world. It's, it's, to me, oh. that's being the drop that starts the ripple. So if I can be the drop at work that spreads positivity, then that's going to that's gonna permeate throughout the organization. It's so hard, though. Like, even me, like, I, I'm, I'm the people's coach. I'm like, and like this, and I say this because I, I like to be transparent because I struggle, right? I struggle and I work at it. But, like, when, I, when people say things to me, it's like, I know this, but then I, when I the pauses you hear, everyone, is I know it, but I'm forgetting to implement it in certain occasions. Right. And that could be little holes or where the filter in your, your mental Brita filter is not tight enough yet. Oh, I'm tight. I'm, yeah. Hence the relationships that I have with you and a lot of other people. But we all have those. And that's the thing I think to, to realize as well. And I think a part of the definition of leadership as well is realizing that we're all fallible, right? We all make mistakes. We all have bad days. And there are times as a leader that you need to be able to, be honest, transparent, vulnerable with your people and say, hey, I'm having a bad day. You know, maybe you got to cancel the meeting or when you go into the meeting, you say, listen, I didn't sleep last night because of X, Y, Z. And you don't have to get terribly personal. But if you, we call it checking in. I talk about that a lot with people, uh, executive clients and stuff. Imagine this, like everybody picture this, a, a, a corporate round table where there's 20 people around there, right? And so Morgan's sitting right to my left and everybody knows Morgan from watching his videos and, and, and seeing him all over the place. And he's always happy and jovial. And I mean, that's Morgan. Right, right. So as, as we open the meeting and I say, you know, Morgan, how can I help you today? What do you need from me? And Morgan's looking down toward the table and things are just not what they normally are. I'm immediately, as a human, going to start putting that because of my own ego Morgan's mad at me. He didn't like my idea. Something with me, instead of knowing that maybe he didn't get any sleep last night because of whatever reason. So I invite clients to take 10, 15, 20 seconds for a check-in around the corporate table to allow everybody who's sitting at that table before they start the meeting to say, hey, everybody, imagine the shift if Morgan said to the group, 
hey, I didn't sleep well last night, so I'm a little off my game today. It's going to be a big shift. I would add that we need to make sure that when you when you open that level of vulnerability up, that you you tend to it. That's very, right. Very um, meticulously. <laughs> That's right. But again, when you create that vi- environment where people feel trust and right. and safety create the environment that's right yeah. and they can say yeah i'm not i'm not on my i'm not on my game today so it's out there right then you know fred across the table when he's talking to you about whatever it is that you all need to talk about he's not necessarily going to take something personally if in the same way well, as if you didn't say stand. that's if right he knows where you stand you've got i feel it. like i've been counseling today like I don't know, maybe I'm in this, in this space today. Like I woke, I, I'm in a great mood, right? I, I, I'm having a good day. I'm with my friend, right? I'm I'm making content for people, and I'm doing everything I enjoy doing, right? Uh, but like today, it's like these things, like especially this subject, is really hitting home for me because I want to be the best leader that I could be, and I know that who I am will dictate how they are. Right. Right. And so that that's a piece where I, I'm constantly trying to grow it. And it, it and and it sometimes is overwhelming for me. Um when I don't I'm a very high strung and I'm very um uh, results driven, right? And that's why I have I've got this far. So um I, I'm hard on myself, right? Because you're right, right? And the thing that I, I think I've I've struggled with most lately is not creating their environment like that's that's the that, and, and it's not bad and i'm talking as a, when i'm talking as a leader for me right now is home mm-hmm. right and i believe that I, i'm in leadership role there and um it is my responsibility to create that environment because when i'm not happy at home i'm not happy nowhere else you know what i mean and, and i think that's the why this stuff is hitting me so hard because i I want to be better. Like it feels good to grow. It feels good to understand. But like, I'm right now. I'm kind of beating myself up. I'm not gonna lie. I'm beating myself up because I know better, and I can do better. You know what I mean? But that's a part of visualizing the future of what you want to be. So when you're having those kinds of days, reminding yourself of of when you did it right. What did you feel? And and how can you carry that forward? How can you tap back into that? Kind of like we were talking about earlier, maybe a previous episode, where if you have a negative mm-hmm. thought, follow it up with a positive thought. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling in that kind of space where you're not on your game that day, reflect on when you were on your game in that situation. And then how can you, you know, think about training. It's the same way. Man, I don't feel like running today. Yeah. Then you remind yourself of why you're running or what your goal is or what you felt the last time you had a good run. Connect with your why. Connect with the purpose. And then you get back out there. And to me, you know, one of the other uh, factors, I guess, in the definition of leadership is patience. You have to be patient with yourself and you have to be patient with the team. And the more you're patient and can build space and listen, the more you're going to be able to absorb. If you pour water too fast into the Brita filter, it overfills. And if that's what we're doing in our head, too much, too fast. That's right. You've got to you've got to let it settle and and I get. I think we said it earlier though. It's the, the the piece where it's like you asked the you asked somebody a question. It was we we look 
we we had a, so we talking to, to C suite or executives right now. They've been doing this for a while, right? They have been in the game at l- at least ten years or more. I'm mm. gonna go with that. Pro- right? Yeah, probably fifteen, Pro- twenty, yeah, 15, at least. 20, yeah. right? I'm just going like the new startup right, yeah. cats, right? You know, and you get to a place that you look at like I look at me and I'm like, okay, well, I've been in. I was in the military, you know, over 22 years. I do things outside the military, so. It took me, and I'm 42, I'd be 43. It took me these many years to get here. But the crazy part is, I expected 42 hours <laughs> that it's going to be different, and that's the that's the unrealistic thing. Like we're not. If, if you look at in anything, like it's like okay, if this employee has this going on, how long has he been? Like, how old is he? How long has he been in the industry? How long has he been doing this? How long has he been living this way? So. You can you have to put ex what's the, what we call it um a reasonable expectation of growth or change right and you have to give yourself that and others that to to see the shift it's not going to happen overnight yeah and in emotional intelligence one of the factors is called reality testing and that's exactly what you're talking about I can't expect a 21 year old Morgan. Mm-hmm to lead the same way a 42-year-old Morgan does. You've literally doubled your lifetime. Don't keep a triple and quadruple that thing. And you really can't even, mm-hmm. you know, count the first 10 or 15 years or whatever necessarily. So that was existing then. That's there, right. There. <laughs> but when you're when you're when you're reality testing, you're asking yourself, what is a realistic expectation for what's going on with this person right now? And then having the patience to deal with that or help them grow where they are. Or explore whatever right. it is you know that they that they need. Yeah, and 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 that's the great thing about what we're talking about today. And as we wrap up, I want you to really understand that if you notice that me and Jody are different, we 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 think differently, but we but it's the same thing, right? Yeah. And I say that because we talked about in the beginning how we as individuals define different words, actions, and meanings. Well, if you've listened to the whole episode, and I hope you have, that you you can understand that your definition is going to be different, right? It's going to be what you developed. You have to do what you're comfortable with. You have to do what you believe in, right? And you got to do what's right, right? And you can take that temperature by with your own moral compass, right? Looking within for asking yourself that question and being able to have the space with the people that work with you or work for you that they're able to tell you who you are. It's like, it's like a 360, right? Um, And that's the thing. That's what I would like everybody to take away from this, this episode is we're all different. We lead, we have different ways of doing things, but what is common is, when we do it, we leadership is not for individual gain. It's for the collective, right? Um, and, I mean, what would you share with them on our way out the door today? A very similar thing, and that's where, you know, when we, <laughs> when we were getting all excited uh, eating our burritos that day, it was because of this. We share such a similar passion for people, and leadership is all about people. We're all going to approach that differently, and that's okay, and that's the beauty of it. And I think we spoke to it before 53 years of experience of experiencing so many different types of leaders. I've picked different things from all the leaders I've experienced, good and bad, 
because I've experienced very toxic leaders and I've thought to myself, and maybe those are some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned is I'm never going to do that. Or I'm going to try to catch myself if I'm going down that path. But it's, it's, uh, it's all about individuality. And, and that's the beauty of leadership is you create your own style of it and it matures and grows with you as you mature and grow. Well, that's the end of today. I uh, hope you got something for that. I would appreciate everybody um, attending my counseling session today <laughs> and my growth session. Uh, it, it was great, and I, I can't wait to the next episode. Stay tuned. Uh, we, more great conversations, more personal growth for me. I know growth yeah, for him as well. Me too, yep. And uh, we all get something from somebody. We just got to be listening. Always listening. Always listening. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. See ya.